Hello, and welcome to The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. I am your host, Blaine Bartlett. Um, for those of you that are somewhat new to the show, let me uh, start by just giving you a very brief uh, overview of what you can expect in not only this episode, but also uh, just what the show itself is about. I've called it The Soul of Business for a real specific reason. Um, Carl Jung, the, uh, the philosopher, you know, when asked to define what he thought the soul was, and this is a rough paraphrase, essentially said it's that, that piece of anything that continuously seeks to be expressed. It's that inner, inner, inner piece that looks for growth, for expression, it looks for more, it looks to be more. And when we think about the soul of business, or the soul of anything, a human being, or a tree, or a blade of grass, there's a, there's, a, there's a natural tendency to growth. There's a natural tendency to express who we are, what we are, what we're about. Yeah, the difference that we uh, are actually making here on the planet and what we're put here to, to make. Um, that, that difference looks to be manifested in ever greater and more, uh, I think, magnificent ways as uh, life unfolds. So that's the theme, and I organize it primarily around business. Uh, every business was founded with an ideal uh, in some way, shape, or form on the part of its founders. And over the course of most businesses' lifespans, they tend to lose connection. I say they, the owners and the uh, stakeholders in the business, tend to lose connection to that, that spark, that piece that originally spawned the organization itself. And the consequence of that uh, are pretty profound uh, because when growth is constrained, uh, health is com you know, compromised. And you look around the world today <coughs> and uh, health is compromised. Now, business is the most pervasive force on the planet. And there is nothing that uh, is not touched by the forces of business for ill or for good. So from my perspective, when we can bring the soul of business to the forefront, we make room for a lot of good to occur. I'm going to pause right here. Goodness. Now I will edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> good, good pause. <laughs> good, uh, yeah. So in today's... Um, episode, I've got a good friend of mine uh, joining us, a fellow by the name of uh, Chad Warren. I've known Chad for a number of years now and had the real um, pleasant uh, opportunity to get to know him in an organization that we uh, are both a part of, the Association of Transformational Leadership. But more, uh, more than that, and just beyond that, uh, he and I are both uh, knights, which is kind of an interesting thing. Uh, in light of the uh, Orthodox Order of St. John, basically it's the uh, uh, Malta, the yeah, Knights of Malta is, uh, is the uh, order with which we are invested. Uh, and in my course of uh, conversation with him, I found him just to be fascinating. He was the youngest teacher of Transcendental Meditation at the age of 14. I mean, he actually studied directly with uh, the Maharishi, uh, who was the founder of the TM movement. and that was one piece, and that was you know, his early formative years, and he also went on and worked directly and you know, was a hero of mine, quite frankly, uh, with uh, Buckminster Fuller in the 1980s. 
So there's some very interesting connections here, both from a pragmatic, but also from a spiritual perspective that uh, Chad brings into the conversation. And we'll talk a little bit about what he's doing today as we start moving into our conversation. So I'd like you uh, just to welcome uh, with me uh, my good friend, Chad Warren. Chad, welcome to the show. Thanks, Blaine. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I uh, always look forward to continuing our conversations wherever there may be. <laughs> you know, they, they tend to ramble and they tend to range. So that's kind of cool. Right. I like that. Um, I start every one of these uh, episodes with uh, a basic question that just kind of launches and then we just will just kind of follow the thread and see where it goes. Uh, the title of the show is The Soul of Business uh, with Blaine Bartlett. And I'm interested from your perspective when you hear the term the soul of business, what does that evoke? What does that bring up for you? Well, that's actually a, a great question. Cause I mean, everything I've been involved in my whole life is really focused on uh, really the soul of ourselves in business as well as the soul of business itself. So um, it's really all about integration and Everybody, there's so many people that are so focused on the outward expression of business and outward expression of themselves. And the power and strength of who we are as a business person and as a human is really within. So um, when, I, when I think of soul of business, I think of not only um, you know, the mission of the, the, the business and all of those things. But I really think about the people because the soul of every business is the people in the business and the management that sets the direction for the business. And they really tend to set the, um, the culture. They, send, they set the, uh, the feeling. They set the whole um, way of being of the business itself. And that starts with their own way of being and, and, and their employees. So it really, it becomes more than just, you know, uh, one person. It becomes actually a group consciousness, really, that goes out there and expresses itself. And uh, how that is done is really important. And, you know, I see a lot of, I see a lot of entrepreneurs, and we've worked with a lot of entrepreneurs through the years and worked with different businesses and, um, so many are so focused on their own, um, uh, you know, work hard to get to their goal. And they're so focused on the goal and they're so focused on getting to the next level or next funding or next whatever it is that a lot of times they don't take the time to take care of themselves yeah. and they don't really invest in themselves. And so that's really something that's, you know, I've really been doing a lot of uh, thinking and uh, exploring with different CEOs and seeing, uh, you know, where are they putting their attention? Is it all just outward or are they taking care of themselves and their people? Yeah, that, yeah that's a great point. You know, um, you know paraphrase that, in order to, to do more and have more, I actually have to be more. And exactly. Uh, what I, I'm struck by, I came across this quote the other day, uh, doing some research for a new book that I'm writing. Um, and it's uh, a, a, a mystic uh, from the... Uh, 10 hundreds. Yeah, actually, she lived from 1098 to 1179. Her name was St. Hildegard von Bingen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
And what she said was, and this is the translation of it, you understand so little of what is around you because you do not use what is within you. I love that quote. That's a great quote. So little of what's around you because you don't look at what's in you. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested here, you know, TM, I, I've you know, been practicing meditation for decades. Uh, right. I don't hold a candle to you. I mean, you started <laughs> way back when. And that being said, we're still uh, in the, we're both in the decade arena. So we're, <laughs> we're both in the decade arenas, which, uh, you know, looking at the color of our hair, uh, those of you that have a video here, uh, we're a little silver. Um, but, you know, meditation as a gateway. Now, I'm not talking meditation for the, the practice of you know, stress mm -hmm. reduction or anything like this. There, there's so much noise around today, and I, that, that noise drowns out that stillness that is the voice of the soul. So right. in, in your experience with the practice of TM, uh, just as one school of meditation, what can you let our listeners know about what you've experienced personally and also what you've observed um, as right. some of the direct impacts of, of a of, of a meditation practice. And I, and I bring this up for the audience here, for those of you that are listening. If you don't have a practice uh, that involves some sort of quietude, allowing you to you know, still the noise, I want you to listen to this piece in particular. Well, that's actually a really important point and goes to the core of who we are. Um, and the reality is our true nature our soul, you might say, our higher being is an unbounded, infinite source of creativity and intelligence and pure awareness. And some people call it, you know, uh, you know, higher states of consciousness or the big S self. I remember when I was a young kid, my mom gave me a book on, you know, the big S self and the small S self, right? And the big S self is that inner unbounded source of everything within us that, that we have the ability to tap into if we choose to do so. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are so focused outward that they don't tap into that inner source and they think that they have a limited source. So that's one element. The other element is that the ongoing regular practice, and I, like you said, I've been, I started when I was 10 years old and I, I've done a lot of, you know, long meditation, but I've consistently been meditating for 51 years. So the key for me is that it created this inner sense of knowing and anchoring to that inner sense of self, mm -hmm. which also, by the way, its nature is bliss. Yeah. So the nature of yourself is concentrated happiness. And when you are, when you are anchored in that, and when you invest the time in your life to keep tapping into that and integrating it into your life, it creates a, like an un, uh, immovable core that is not only solidly anchored in you know, this infinite source, but also is infinitely flexible. So that number one, you can deal with everything that comes your way. Because the reality is, you know, people always talk about, you know, bliss and joy and everything like that. The reality is life is full of all kinds of crazy things coming at us and knocking us off one way or the other. But if you're really established in that core within yourself, it doesn't matter what comes after you. It doesn't affect you as much and you can 
bounce back. You can deal with it from a greater sense of internal joy and it doesn't affect how you think and feel about yourself. And that's, I think, one of the greatest benefits I've had from my practice over the years mm-hmm. is no matter how, whether I'm on the top or on the bottom, I'm still happy within myself and I can always, you know, bounce back quickly and, and, and deal with that. And that's, that's a huge, that's a huge element for me. And I think everybody needs that in, in business, especially when you're building. Especially in business and that, you know, that state of equanimity uh, that you, that you speak yes. to. There. Um, yeah, one of the, yeah, I do a lot of work with leaders as do you. And um, one of the questions I'll always ask them, and it, it's more of a rhetorical because they just kind of deer in a headlight when I ask the question, uh, sort of a response. Um, <laughs> right. How do you know what to do when you don't know what to do? Which is something that every leader will, if they haven't yet, they will run into. How do you know what to do when you don't know what to do? And in my experience, it's that, you know, that ability, that practice to allow myself to be quiet that, if I've done this, I've got a, I've got a foundation. I, I, I know where the ground is, so to speak. Right. And exactly. I, can, I may not know exactly what the answer is to the question, but I know <laughs> that the ground will give it to me because right. the, the emergent nature of soul uh, requires it. It, it. it can't not if I quiet the voice, you know, the, the exactly. cacophony around me and let the voice of, of what we call the soul or what I'm calling the soul uh, appear. One of the noise uh, generators is uh, media, <laughs> and yeah, particularly uh, today, uh, today's world, we are bombarded by an amazing amount of uh, external stimulus. That's and true. <clears throat> what you're doing right now uh, with, I love the name of your company, Zen Moose Capital. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk a little bit about how. Uh, the, the title came in here, but um, you're, you're doing some fascinating work uh, with entertainment and media. And in, in my conversations with you about that, it's, uh, it's a generative approach, not only to funding uh, projects, but it's also steeped in, you know, what I value, which is, you know, the impact, uh, the generative right. impact of media on, on who we are, what we do as a, as a species. So I'm going to just kind of give you a, a free plug here to kind of speak a little bit about Zen News Capital uh, and just what you're up to with it right now. Because, you know, again, first of all, we'll just start with the name. Why Zen Moose? <laughs> well, you know, interestingly enough, um, just as an aside, Moose is the same whether it's singular or, or, or plural. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we call it the Moose Singularity. So the same principles apply whether it's to a group or an individual. Um, and it actually goes back to when I was in university and we, we started a, a, a club actually that's, that was all about uh, creating joy and eradicating what we called mood making, which was really, um, let's be real about who we are in our evolutionary process, not pretend that we're enlightened or pretend that we're something that we're not. Um, so to truly enjoy the journey and be real. And because the evolution in life of self-realization is to really just become truly who you are and to discover the self. That's what realization, self-realization is. Become 100% of you. And 
So Zen was capital really came together when my partner Maria and I uh, got together and we were saying, you know, what's our legacy? We want to have an impact on the world. And media has always been a passion of mine, especially the power of story to transform. I was originally a literature major before I switched over to physics and Sanskrit. And I always had a, a passion for story and its impact. So media is probably one of the most powerful mediums to impact people globally on, on a mass scale in terms of uh, bringing light to dark subjects, raising feelings and emotions and, and getting across knowledge and education. So it's, it's like you said, it's, it's a lot of noise, but it's also one of the most impactful mediums out there. Mm -hmm. So, and I've always believed that there's no reason to just have impact or profit. We need to have both. Right. And, and they support each other and uh, keep them both sustainable. So we need to have both integrated together. So that's what Zemus is about. So we are, you know, we believe in the transformation that will happen, you know, when creators and innovators and talented storytellers and change agents have the resources and financing for their pursuits. So we, we, our goal was to become the bank for transformation. The bank for transformation. The bank for transformation. Because really, you, everybody's always constantly about funding and raising money and having the resources they need to make their business to go where it needs to go. So we want to cultivate that success. I love that. So, yeah, as, as the Bank for Transformation, where can people find out more about what you're up to? Uh, um, well, we're updating our website, which is zenmoosecapital.com. But um, right now we're focusing on, you know, we've created a sustainable capital base for funding, inspiring content and different enter entertainment media based um, projects. And because we've really cracked the code on um, proprietary funding metho methodology that's tapping into funds that are really stuck. There's a lot of money out there that's just stuck and not moving and we want to get it back into circulation. Mm -hmm. So currently our, our, our focus is seeking investors uh, who want a, you know, a rapid return and high impact. We want to come, we're combining those two uh, and, and then investing into specific various different um, media projects, not only film and television and uh, different content, but also online distribution platforms, media technologies and media related real estate. So, um, but again, not only that, whenever we are working with a company and we're working with those CEOs, we pick projects that can also collaborate and cross pollinate with each other so that they all can raise each other. And we also uh, make them commit to investing in their own self and in their own development and growth and in their own bliss, as well as for their company as a bottom line investment, not just a theory, yeah. but actually to take care of themselves and their people and set up a positive life supporting environment and culture that uh, with, whether it's meditation or yoga or uh, making sure they all take the time off to um, take care of themselves, gym, whatever it is, we set up a plan so that we make sure that, um, you know, they create an environment where people really want to be there and they're happy to be there. And which affects that, like you said earlier, it affects <laughs> your health, it affects your state of mind, 
uh, and your and your being. So that's really what we're focusing on. I love that. Yeah. How receptive are you finding the businesses that you're actually interacting with right now to that particular piece, the, you know, the lifestyle piece? And, and I ask that question uh, in part because yeah. uh, I'm very aware <clears throat> of Gallup's uh, data on employee engagement, or actually, yeah, more precisely, lack of employee engagement. Yeah. Yeah, 97 or 87%, you know, the number varies a little bit. It hasn't changed in about 20 years. How, how, do you, you know, how receptive are these organizations right now paying attention to that as well as what they consider to be their business mission? Well, I'll tell you that we've been pretty uh, surprised at the reactions to a lot of the CEOs that we've been working with. Um, number one, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of CEOs and people uh, – building companies and i'm not talking about like large uh we don't work with like large corporations and stuff like that we're more you know small to mid-sized companies that are building their companies but mm -hmm. a lot of these entrepreneurs feel like they're out there on their own yeah. and they're by themselves and carrying everything on their shoulders number one they love the idea of connecting in with uh, a like-minded peerage that they can connect with like a family and that they're not alone and they have support emotionally, spiritually, physically, financially. Um, so that's number one. We've been getting really great response on that side. And when we actually, when we bring it up from our side, number one, um, it's always more powerful when it's coming from the funding side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they yeah, they got to listen. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it actually, it starts a conversation and makes them really start looking internally at what am I doing? I mean, some people, we start off and they're like, oh, well, my idea of taking care of myself is uh, quitting smoking. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's as much as they can think. And other people are like, wow, that is so cool that, number one, you would support us in that. Because a lot of money people, venture capitals, you know, they're just looking for the next unicorn. Right. And they're not really... They may look at, you know, the management, make sure that they've got a good management team, but they're not necessarily looking at the underlying lifestyle. So, so far, our, our response has been, um, you know, very positive. I love that. Yeah. yeah. They, they, you know, they, they see the reality, you know, how powerful, you know, not only happiness, but also love in business is like really crucial. Yeah. You know, I love that. Yeah. Love in business. Yeah. Yeah, Steve Farber, who you and I both know, uh, author, uh, very good friend. Uh, love is just getting a damn good business, is his latest. Exactly. Friend. Steve and I went to college together. So That's right. That's right. You did. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah we, we used to sit there and play guitar. <laughs> yeah. That's wonderful. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. curious here, because I, I mentioned at the, uh, at the outset here that you had uh, spent some time working directly with Buckminster Fuller. And given your eclectic background, and you, you, you mentioned a little bit about this, you know, you've got a bachelor's in quantum physics and mathematics, as well as you uh, minored in Sanskrit and the Vedic uh, literatures. Um, yeah. uh, so your work with Bucky, because Bucky was just, a, to me, I mean, I had the yeah. very good fortune of meeting him only once, but uh, yeah, once. Oh, well, then you were fortunate. Yeah. He he was a very enlightened being. There's no question. Oh my goodness! Yeah. So, how how does your work, and if you if you can connect the dots there, and I'll put you on the spot here, but but 
Is, is there a dot to be connected or a couple of dots that you can look to and say, I got that from that. Where I'm at today was a direct core. I can see the, the, uh, the path yeah. back to that conversation. Well, there were a few things, actually. Um, I mean, when I, when I first met Becky, Bucky, he was really focused on um, what they called the, uh, uh, the earth game. And it's like he was really focused on how there really is sufficient resources mm -hmm. on the planet for food, for electricity, that's what he was focusing on at the time. Um, and it's not about scarcity of resources, it's about management of distribution. Yeah. Right? And so that was, that was, and also, you know, he, un, he unveiled, I remember I was there when he unveiled his Dymaxion map, which is the only truly uh, accurate map of the, of the world. Yeah. Of the, a two-dimensional map of a three-dimensional object and it was amazing to see how number one what i loved about bucky is that he would he would take an idea and then he would just step outside the box from a different perspective and see it from a whole new light and added a whole level of depth to it um and i mean you could read one of his paragraphs in his books and, and literally every time you read it get something new out of it mm -hmm. his his communications were dense with knowledge and information. And he was an amazing man that, um, one of the things that I got out of that is number one, always shift your perspective and look at it a little bit differently. Yeah. Number two was, um, he is called a processional effect, which is that as you're moving, there are effects that are coming uh, perpendicular to you right. that, um, that you are creating. So you are having these effects throughout life just by moving through it. And the power of that is important. And one of the things is number one, keep moving. <laughs> Nothing happens to something moving. And number two, <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, the, the great quote by Goethe, right? Yeah. Exactly. Which is that nothing happens until you make it uh, take a movement. And then from there, it's amazing all the professional effects that your life has on the people around you. So, um, and I, I always think of that whenever I'm going into an endeavor and whoever I'm working with um, is number one, do I want to go down this path and is it something that's really in alignment with my heart and my soul? Mm -hmm. And when I do that, the processional effect is much more powerful and much more positive. You know, what's interesting to me about that, and I've been playing with this notion a little bit, um, in my experience, a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of people get stopped dead in their tracks when they start considering the question, how? How do I start? Yes. How do I do something? And the nature of soul for me has to do with, it never is concerned with how. It, it, it just, the expression is there. As long as it is allowed to move, the how handles itself. That is and, true. And the example that I've got for that that uh, has served me in, in retrospect extraordinarily well is when I've got an idea, the idea appears fully baked pretty much. I mean, I can right. see it complete in my mind. There's no how that kind of circulates around that completed idea. So I start from there, and, and I know that Bucky did this a lot. Um, yes. 
Start from, you know, start from the end and then work backwards. Uh, the how will appear. Uh, if I'm paying, and this is the whole notion of, of, of right action, you know, if, if I go into some Buddhistic philosophies. Right. right. Right action. Right action is, in, in this sense, defined as it appears and it is consistent with and congruent with and uh, generative towards that ideal. Exactly. Yeah, and that's, you know, and Maharishi said the same thing. You know, yeah. it's like, you're going to, you know, dream, dream big and, and have it every, you know, everything completed in your awareness and then just move forward in that direction. And it's amazing what will show up. Because like you said, there's no way for you to know all the possibilities of what may show up. Yep. And a lot of times people try to control their direction of what's going to happen. Yep. And they leave out all these possibilities that are there for them by, by trying to be too in control and trying to stay on a particular path. And that's the beauty of, of dialogue and the, and the dialogue, you know, of, of the journey is that it doesn't always go in a straight line. Yeah. Well, and yeah. <laughs> I, I've never I, thought I just did. Exactly. Right. <laughs> and it's so, so much fun to create, um, and, and see and be aware and witness your process so that you can be aware of things as they show up and take advantage of them. Um, and a lot of that is just perception. And again, it goes back to being centered in your soul so that you don't, um, don't get caught up in the minutia of what's going on. Perfect. And you're right. Cause that is, you know, it is, it is the movement that creates possibilities. Yeah. And, and, and I love, I love the visual of that processional, you know, structure uh things are coming in at me all the time as long as i'm moving and then the idea of just being aware noticing what i notice is this you know is this useful is this not useful but not not setting up in advance what i think will be useful i just you know take it in and uh, and i'm struck truly by um the way that you speak to joy being a part of that business is hard work and leading a business and developing a business is hard work but it doesn't have to be absent of joy I mean, in any way, no, shape. absolutely. In fact, it's just the opposite. It's just the opposite. Yeah, just the op yeah. yeah. In fact, most people always put off joy. It's always like, I'll be happy when I get here. I'll be happy when this is finished. I'll be happy when I've raised this money. I'll be happy when I've achieved this goal. And it's like, no, 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 no. It's yeah. the opposite. We yeah. start from happiness and then go forward from that place. And yeah. then everything else will come move forward and go with it because it's like that. if you can't enjoy the journey then what's the point yeah, why don't want it? <laughs> exactly <laughs> Truly. I'm not... on, you know who was it a long time ago you know one of my mentors said if you're skating on thin ice you may as well dance that's yeah. right <laughs> exactly <laughs> and as far as i can tell all of us are skating on thin ice none of us are going to get out of here in one piece so we may as well dance and have a good time while we're, while we're doing it and that includes our businesses yeah, the business is uh, especially because we spend so much time in our business. Yeah. So number one, choose the people that you're going to have fun with and actually enjoy, as well as you know, meet your uh, your goals and have. But you can have people that are incredibly qualified and still be people that you like and you want to spend time with because you're going to spend most of your life with these people that you're working with. Yes, you are. And you so know, that's an interesting think about that. in terms of yeah, how, how culture gets developed. 
far too often I've experienced uh, organizations where they've hired people based only and solely on what's the competency that they bring. Right. If I'm not bringing people in that I love hanging around, I can train the competency and ideally I will bring the competency in with them, but I want it to be somebody that I enjoy being with that shares the value core because that's, from a leadership perspective, my major job is to build the culture of the organization and then, and then nurture it and, right. it and that sort of a thing. So, um, it's especially important in the C-suite, you know, like if you're the owner of the company, the C-suite of your company, those need to be that type of relationship. You have to have that kind of connectedness because you're, you're doing the mission together and you gotta, you gotta love each other and, and enjoy each other. And when you do that, it gets reflected throughout the whole company and that impacts your bottom line. It absolutely does. And if you're big enough to have a board, uh, that also is important in terms of who you're recruiting. That's true. Support. Yeah, yeah they, you, you wanna play with these folks and they wanna have your best interest at heart and vice versa. Yeah, so, and not just your best interest as an individual, but your best interest as a soul of a business. Yeah, what what are we trying? No, to do? and it should feed each, and they should feed each other's soul. Absolutely, as well as the company's soul, which is what where it comes from, right? It all comes, it all goes down to the people, and all goes down to our internal growth, and how how connected are we within ourselves? And you know that kind of strength makes a big difference in the company and its growth as well. It sure does. My guest today, Chad Warren, founder and CEO of Zen Moose Capital. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about zenmoosecapital.com, but you know, where can people find out more about you and how might they be able to get a hold of you if they wanted to? Um, well, they can go to the website. I'm also on LinkedIn under okay. uh, Chad Warren. And, uh, and I'm on Facebook, you know, the usual suspects <laughs> uh, yeah just under chad warren you can find me there definitely i would i'd love to talk to any of your your listeners because uh, this, this is a this is a subject that's really uh dear to my heart and my soul and my soul <laughs> chad i thank you so much for being here it's been a delightful conversation every one of our conversations i walk away from just feeling uplifted i really do every time i've sat and talked with you uh, no matter I know myself as well. Yeah. So I, I feel exactly the same way. <laughs> yeah. So I'd love to have you back well, on. Thanks, yeah. So maybe we can make some time for that a little bit later. Okay. We'll definitely do that. Then go kayaking in the sound or something. That sounds like a <laughs> wonderful idea. <laughs> Doesn't it? My guest today is Chad Warren. This is Blaine Bartlett. You're listening to The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. You can find out more about what we're up to uh, by going to. Uh, podcast you know, you know you can subscribe to it once you get it all of the usual suspect places ipod or I, yeah, itunes uh, spotify uh, whatnot um you can also find out more about me and what uh, i'm up to specifically at blainebartlett.com and you can subscribe to our newsletter and all of the other stuff that kind of goes along with that thank you for listening and until next time have a good day
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.